September 21st. As we uh, turn our attention today now toward the uh, New Testament, we'll be reading in Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 18. Galatians 6, 1 through 18, where we'll be able to see others humbly. You know, your response to another's fall reveals your own walk, whether it's spiritual or not. Pride will make it impossible for you to help the fallen, but humility will bring blessing to you and to them. You'll see yourself honestly in this passage of Scripture. Do you use somebody's fall to make yourself look better? Or do you know yourself, accept yourself, and seek to please God alone? And you'll be able to see leaders appreciatively. When you give to others whose ministry blesses you, you're sowing seed that will bear fruit. When you use your resources for sinful purposes... You sow to the flesh and will reap a sad harvest. And you'll see the cross clearly. The false teachers wanted the world's praise, so they avoided the cross. But the true believer will glory in the cross, even if it means suffering the world's enmity. And with that, let's begin our reading today in the New Testament. September 21st, Galatians chapter 6. Verses 1 through 18. Dear brothers and sisters, if another Christian is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's troubles and problems, and in this way obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone in need, You are only fooling yourself. You are really a nobody. Be sure to do what you should, for then you will enjoy the personal satisfaction of having done your work well, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. Those who are taught the Word of God should help their teachers by paying them. Don't be misled. Remember that you can't ignore God and get away with it. You will always reap what you sow. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful desires will harvest the consequences of decay and death. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So don't get tired of doing what is good. Don't get discouraged and give up, or we will reap a harvest of blessing at the appropriate time. Whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to our Christian brothers and sisters. Notice what large letters I use as I write these closing words in my own handwriting. Those who are trying to force you to be circumcised are doing it for just one reason. They don't want to be persecuted for teaching that the cross of Christ alone can save. And even those who advocate circumcision don't really keep the whole law. They only want you to be circumcised so they can brag about it and claim you as their disciples. As for me, God forbid that I should boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world died long ago, and the world's interest in me is also long dead. 
It doesn't make any difference now, whether we have been circumcised or not. What counts is whether we really have been changed into new and different people. May God's mercy and peace be upon all those who live by this principle. They are the new people of God. From now on, don't let anyone trouble me with these things. For I bear on my body the scars that show I belong to Jesus. My dear brothers and sisters, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. It says here in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. A verse taken from the book of Habakkuk in the Old Testament that is cited three times in the New Testament. As Luther was stopped short, he said, what does this mean? That there's this righteousness that is by faith. And from faith to faith. What does it mean that the righteous shall live by faith? Which again, as I said, was the thematic verse for the whole exposition of the gospel that Paul sets forth here in the book of Romans. And so the lights came on for Luther, and he began to understand that what Paul was speaking of here was a righteousness that God in his grace was making available to those who would receive it passively, not those who would achieve it actively, but that would receive it by faith and by which a person could be reconciled to a holy and righteous God. Now, there was a linguistic trick that was going on here, too, and it was this, that the Latin word for justification that was used at this time in church history was I mean, it's the word from which we get the English word justification, the Latin word justificare. And it came from the Roman judicial system. And the term justificare is made up of the word justus, which is justice or righteousness, and the verb, the infinitive, facare, which means to make. And so the Latin fathers understood the doctrine of justification is what happens when God, through the sacraments of the church and elsewhere, make unrighteous people righteous. But Luther was looking now at the Greek word that was in the New Testament, not the Latin word, the word dikaios, dikaiosune, which didn't mean to make righteous, but rather to regard as righteous, to count as righteous, to declare as righteous. And this was the moment of awakening for Luther. He said, you mean here Paul is not talking about the righteousness by which God himself is righteous, but a righteousness that God gives freely by his grace to people who don't have righteousness of their own. And so Luther said, whoa, you mean the righteousness by which I will be saved is not mine. It's what he called a justitia alienum, 
an alien righteousness, a righteousness that belongs properly to somebody else. It's a righteousness that is extra nos, outside of us, namely the righteousness of Christ. And Luther said, when I, when I discovered that, he said, I was born again of the Holy Ghost. And the doors of paradise swung open, and I walked through. Lord, well, the Lord is good to me, and so I thank the Lord for giving me the things I need, the sun and the rain and the apple seed. The Lord is good to me. Amen. Psalm 65, verses 1 through 13. We'll see that the worship goes up. This is a harvest psalm for believers who want to thank God for His goodness and care during another year. Praise and prayer go up to the Lord from the hearts of grateful people. We're told that in everything we are to give thanks. We'll see the witness reaches out. The ends of the earth need to hear about the God of grace and glory. He reveals Himself to them in creation. But they must be told the good news of salvation. God has provided atonement. God blesses you that you in turn might be a blessing to others. And we'll read that the wealth comes down. How good He is to send the rain, fill the rivers, and water the fields. The fields produce food for the flocks, and they rejoice at His kindness. We take the rain for granted until it does not fall, of course, and then we learn how much we need it. You can find joy in God's goodness at the beginning and ending of each day. So do not wait until the crowning of the year to praise Him. Psalm 65, verses 1-13 through 13, For the choir director, Psalm of David, a song. What mighty praise, O God, belongs to you in Zion! We will fulfill our vows to you, for you answer our prayers. And to you all people will come, though our hearts are filled with sins, you forgive them all. What joy for those you choose to bring near, those who live in your holy courts. What joys await us inside your holy temple. You faithfully answer our prayers with awesome deeds. O God, our Savior, you are the hope of everyone on earth and those who sail on distant seas. You formed the mountains by your power and armed yourself with mighty strength. You quieted the raging oceans with their pounding waves and silenced the shouting of the nations. Those who live at the ends of the earth stand in awe of your wonders. From where the sun rises to where it sets, you inspire shouts of joy. You take care of the earth and water it, making it rich and fertile. The rivers of God will not run dry. They provide a bountiful harvest of grain, for you have ordered it so. You drench the plowed ground with rain, melting the clods and leveling the ridges. You soften the earth with showers and bless its abundant crops. You crown the year with a bountiful harvest. Even the hard pathways overflow with abundance. The wilderness becomes a lush pasture, and the hillsides blossom with joy. 
the meadows are clothed with flocks of sheep, and the valleys are carpeted with grain. They all shout and sing for joy. Proverbs 23, verse 24. The father of godly children has cause for joy. What a pleasure it is to have wise children.